0: Rewind, your week in review, is sponsored by the Wisconsin Realtors Association, bringing Wisconsin communities to life with great homes, businesses, and neighborhoods. The Wisconsin Realtors Association, the voice of real estate. This week on Rewind, your
1: week in review. Republicans passed legislation that would penalize school districts who talk about critical race theory in the classroom. Plus, health care workers could face jail time if they don't step in to save a child who survives an abortion. And a top Democrat has some advice for election clerks who might be subpoenaed under a GOP election investigation. All this and more on Rewind, your week in review for October 1st. Hi, I'm Emily Fannin.
2: And I'm J.R. Ross. So we had our
1: first... Uh, I guess back to the Capitol for lawmakers has yes. been many, many weeks as they had come back from their summer break. We had a fall session, and last week we kind of coined the phrase of it as a back-to-school session. The mm-hmm. Assembly and Senate was in, and they approved a whole host of bills. Uh, a majority of them were the same ones related to a lot of school districts and uh, overall this what's being taught in the classroom. Um, so let's just kind of go through some of the big ones uh, one a bill that passed would require school districts to post curriculum for each grade level online. Uh, there was another one that would require DPI to create a, a portal, in a sense, for districts to publish how they spend their money. Critical race theory, we've been talking for weeks now, uh, that did just pass the assembly, did not come up in the Senate, which bans concepts such as systemic racism and implicit bias. And of course there was pushback from Democrats. Um, let's first just hear a little bit about the debate on the legislation that would require Required DPI to create uh, some type of, you know, website to show how districts are spending their money in the classroom.
3: If we were to take out the private school aspect of what the senator from the seventh is getting at, and put in a, uh, a a road building company, put in oh my God, Weedix stuff, there would be overwhelmingly bipartisan support an amendment similar to this to hold the entity getting the money accountable except for private schools you know this this whole you know just spend 200 some million dollars and trust us i've got some colleagues on the other side of the aisle on any other agency who did that would say hell no absolutely hell no except for private schools
4: there's a reason they were not included in this bill, because they have extensive auditing currently. They have very different funding sources. So yes, some of them do take money from the taxpayers, as in private choice vouchers, that are given to parents of low-income families so that they can place their children in the school of their choice. But that's only one of their funding sources. There's private funding that comes into play. There's large endowments and donations. And there's also different parents that are paying. In addition to that, they have far stricter reporting than what our public schools do. While still protecting the private funders of these schools. So the transparency is already there.
1: So, um, just heard from both sides there. They did pass all these bills related to education, what's taught in the classroom, but we kind of know the fate of those. Governor Evers is likely to veto those.
2: Yeah, there's a a confluence of factors going on right now. Um, One, you have this energy of parents who are unhappy about mask mandates, right? They're like uh, raising ruckus at school board meetings. You have parents who saw the classroom in their living room this past year with COVID and virtual learning. And just that energy of that stuff and Republicans feel like this is an issue or these are issues that pull well with um, voters that they want to see more transparency, want to see more school in the classroom, they're trying to capitalize upon it. But when you rush sometimes you create issues. So for example there's a civics bill that was on the floor in the assembly. Mm -hmm. It would have new civics curriculum. The original version of that bill would require private schools to teach the curriculum. There's a problem when you have a that provision because you somehow manage to have We Act, the state's largest teachers union, Wisconsin the Action, uh, the Catholic Conference, Americans for Prosperity, and School Choice Wisconsin all opposition to the bill mm-hmm. because they don't like that. Now, it was amended on the floor to remove the requirement for private schools, but still have it for schools in the choice program. Still drawing opposition from uh, those groups. That's an example of where they're trying to get this stuff done, and maybe a couple of the details are getting muddled in the process, knowing that it may not get signed by Governor Evers. Um, the Critical Race Theory bill, Little brouhaha this week because Chuck Wickers, who's a reporter from Muskego, author of the bill, co author of the bill, he has an addendum to his testimony for the committee that has more than 80 words and concepts that, if taught, would ban the bill. That list includes white supremacy, anti racism, patriarchy, things like that. To Democrats, this is the quiet part out loud. It's not about just banning this graduate level course in college, being taught in grade schools. It's
1: certain words and phrases. (coughs)
2: But talking about race in general in schools. Now, one person's list does not mean that everybody thinks that's what the bill should do. But it is an example of where some of the backers are at when it comes to this discussion, what they're pushing. Now, that bill's not going to come into law. Governor Evers is going to veto it. But what I'm getting at is they sense this energy. They're trying to capitalize upon it, because they can keep that harness until next year. It helps in the elections.
1: And I was going to say that it could attract suburban voters, too, Mm -hmm. which over the years, Republicans have struggled with when they, you know, just the on the Trump, border lines Those those. Trump to has not been it.
2: great for those guys, suburban mm-hmm. voters. Look for ways to get them back. And this is a great way to do it. Um, also, you can put Democrats on the defensive a little bit because why don't you like transparency? Why don't you want to have schools post how they spend their money? Why shouldn't, as a parent, know what's going in my kid's classroom? There's that balancing act for Democrats of allowing teachers to teach while giving parents, you know, comfort of what they know is going on in their and classrooms. Just that
1: overall oversight of, I know what's going on. Yeah. And having that comfort that, okay, I could send my kids to school and I can trust what's going on behind yeah. closed doors. Um, another big debate on the Senate floor was a, a whole host of abortion bills. One of the big ones uh, would, in a sense, Penalize uh, healthcare workers if they don't step in to save uh, a baby if it is born alive after an unsuccessful abortion, um, and they're also bringing back another one that would require doctors to inform women that chemical abortions may be reversed after the first or two first of two doses. Excuse me. So one of these big ones is called the Born Alive Act. None of these bills are new, right? I mean. Um, most of them have been brought up before, or maybe
2: there's one is one, it? The one new. There's one, one new
1: one, excuse me. Three um, have been
2: vetoed already.
1: Three have been vetoed. So this goes along the, the, the sense that we keep talking. It's pumping up the base of mm-hmm. the Republicans so they have these talking points that look what we did. Evers is running for reelection. He's the one that stopped them.
2: Well, it, also, uh, there are some new members in the two houses from mm-hmm. 2019 when these things were vetoed last time. What this does is give new members a chance, if you are an anti-abortion advocate, to show the anti-abortion groups you're on board for the fight because you voted for these bills. Um, Those groups play a large role in elections, by the way. Mm -hmm. Um, If you are a Democrat, Republicans can try and put you on record about maybe an uncomfortable vote for you on a certain abortion bill. And it sends a message to the anti-abortion groups from Republicans of, even though we're not getting these things done because of Evers' veto authority, we're going to still fight the good fight for you guys and keep pushing this issue. And oh, by the way, if there's a different governor in 2023, you can expect these things to come down the pipe uh, from Republicans in the legislature.
1: Uh, let's hear a little bit about the debate on the floor uh, among these bills.
3: I can say with confidence, no matter where you fall in the spectrum of pro-life to support abortion, all of us should want a newborn to receive immediate, life-saving medical care. Who could oppose that? According to the CDC, over the last decade, there were upwards of 588 infant deaths that occurred after a child was born alive. More surprisingly, only five states collect such data. To say this does not happen is just plain false. This bill does not restrict access to an abortion or to the abortion itself. The bill only addresses what can happen after the abortion in those precious moments after the newborn survives. Deciding not to let vulnerable, defenseless newborn die is not anti-abortion, it's anti-murder. It is time for our entire legislature to stand up and affirm the universal truth that all life matters.
0: This bill, to be frank, is aggressive political garbage Built on lies. Doctors already have an obligation, legal and ethical, to provide appropriate medical care, and to suggest otherwise is offensive. What's true is that healthcare organizations that represent the actual clinicians oppose these bills. They understand it is not attempting to advance the health or well being of women and babies, it's attempting to divide us using inflammatory false rhetoric so that we can further an anti-choice agenda. We want to push abortion out of reach, shut down clinics, and throw providers and people who help women have abortions in jail. This body has a really unfortunate track record when it comes to actually helping women and babies.
1: Now let's move on to uh, some movement on redistricting. Mm-hmm. Uh, the big release of Governor Evers' creation of the People's Maps just released. They're draft maps. They're yep. not final. Um, but kind of the key takeaway, there was only slight changes uh, that gave Democrats a little bit more of advantage. But overall, Republicans kind of had the same majorities, yeah. but not, nothing crazy, I guess you could say, when, when you look at the differences.
2: So a couple things to make in mind. These are three drafts for each set of maps. So Assembly, Senate, and congressional lines. There are dramatic changes proposed in each map compared to current lines in some ways, but the overall partisan balance of the maps doesn't change much because of geography. So Democrats tend to live in urban areas. Republicans are more spread out, including rural ones. Look at geography. It's harder to draw a 50-50 map because of that. Now, looking at the partisan balance first, and I know I'm a geek about this stuff, so bear with me, but if you took the lines that were proposed Thursday evening as drafts, if they were in place in 2018, the governor's race which was decided by 1.1 percentage points, Scott Walker would have won, I believe, 56, 58, or 59 assembly seats. He won 63. So it's a little bit less of an advantage for Republicans, but not much. The Senate side, he would have won 17, 19, or 20 seats. He won 21. Now, that's not to say that if you had these lines in place, Democrats would have won X seats or Republicans, why? Because you have candidates and money and message that matter at legislative races. Top-of-the-ticket numbers are basically a good um, starting point for a discussion of districts to see what their partisan makeup is. It shows you that even with this effort to draw a quote-unquote fair map, it's hard because of geography. Now, there are requirements under federal law for any map. Uh, there's the Voting Rights Act. They deal with racial composition of districts. Looking at these drafts in the Assembly and the Senate, they would produce fewer minority-majority districts than we have in current law. That is a problem. Um, I believe we right now have um, six majority black districts by voting age population in the Assembly. These maps would have at best four. There are currently two black majority voting age population Senate districts. At best, you'd have one. One map has zero. Hispanic representation, you have right now two Majority Hispanic districts in the assembly, there would be, I believe, one at best on the assembly ones. That's an issue. Now, again, these are drafts. The I was commission just gonna gonna say, gonna they're going to say they're going
1: to go back, get some public input, and then finalize them. So nothing final, but obviously some, some things are off. So
2: it'll we'll take some input. They will have to address that issue in the final map that they produce. But it shows you again um, that it's not that easy to it's draw not, a fair yeah. map. It's not, yeah, right. And if you look at the congressional maps so the best map for democrats actually was there's was a 4-4 map that again top of the ticket numbers from 2018 a 50 50 race democrats would have won four seats or evers would have won four seats and walker would have won four but in that map there are dramatic changes like you take the sixth district which you know if you look at the camera, trying to get the camera. so the thumb of wisconsin right? right the sixth right now is kind of here it would take Fox Valley Communities and go west across the Stevens Point and Wisconsin Rapids. That's a dramatic change. Yeah. Um, Dane County, the second district, would go Dane, Jefferson, and Dodge Counties. That would be a dramatic change where we are now. The first district would grab everything from Kenosha County across to Rock County. Um, that would be big changes to get to a 50-50 map. Um, again, I don't know what the Voting Rights Act stuff looks like with that. I haven't de- de- dove do- into that yet, but you'd have to have dramatic changes to make it quote-unquote fair. Um, I don't know how it's going to hold up in the ultimate process. Again, they're going to take input and do a, a map, but expect these maps to not be the final map because they have issues that they have to address.
1: Right, and we, we still haven't really heard from you know, GOP leaders how they feel about these. Um, let's first uh, hear from members on this People's Maps Commission uh, what they had to say uh, shortly after releasing them.
2: Gerrymandered maps make life easier for politicians. They silence voters with unaccountable elected officials who cruise to victory in high partisan performing districts. After all, we run for office, right? But if we get lazy, we should lose, right? Gerrymandering creates lazy, unaccountable legislators who serve as long as they want.
0: The senator lost his seat in the assembly in 2010 and the very same districts that he ran in 2008. So I think we underestimate um, the electors' um, ability to change their minds and to vote their conscience and vote uh, how they see fit. We don't take anyone for granted. None of our constituents are ever taken for granted we do not get lazy and we are not unaccountable
1: now talking about all this redistricting stuff before we get to the next i guess big story with the election investigation uh republicans on the floor did pass a resolution that would basically retain existing current maps governor evers of course said he said also shortly after they uh, announced that resolution that it's very unlikely Mm -hmm. he would sign the maps that are, would basically have the same exact makeup.
2: The big question is, when are they going to pass the maps? I've interviewed the, the, both Robin Ross right? and Devin Lemahieu, and they haven't committed to a timeline. And the question is, if the longer you wait, why wait? right? Why?
1: And because then we just inch closer to another election, too.
2: So October 15th is a cutoff for input to the legislature website for the public about what a map should look like. The theory I've heard is that the longer Republicans wait to pass a map, the more it puts pressure on a court, which is ultimately going to draw the map right, to pick a map versus drawing a map itself. So remember we talked about, courts are not really good map drawers (laughs) because of the expertise. So maybe that's the idea, but then if you do that, do you bring back the possibility of the federal court getting fired up again? Because after we taped last Friday, the Republicans went to the US Supreme Court and said you should shut down the federal case because the state Supreme Court's taking this redistricting lawsuit, so shut down what's going on in the federal courts. Federal courts have deadlines the next couple of weeks to have feedback about should they pause, should they defer to the state Supreme Court. But again, if you wait, what's it do to that, that court battle and, and how is it fire? And we back know
1: after? they don't like coming back during election year, too. So it's like, okay, October 1st, uh, what do you want to come back, November? We'll see, <laughs> December? I mean, it's rare, but they have come back in December yeah. before during the lame duck session. Um, and just uh, today, uh, we heard some updates on the election investigation. Gableman, sorry, I should name him, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, former, or uh, former uh, Supreme Court Justice Michael Gableman issued his first subpoenas. Mm-hmm. They were signed by Speaker Voss, and it was to uh, Green Bay's uh, clerk.
2: Yeah, so we don't know. Uh, the first one we got confirmation was the Green Bay clerk. It is a request for a lengthy list of uh, records. The clerk told us that it was, much of it's on the website already, but that uh, she was directed to be in Brookfield October 15th and bring these documents with her. Um, it includes how the election was paid for, Remember, there are private grants from a group funded by Mark Zuckerberg, the Facebook founder, that went to about 200 communities in Wisconsin to help pay for costs of putting on an election during a pandemic. The bulk of that money, however, went to Green Bay, Madison, Milwaukee, Racine, Kenosha, uh, the biggest five cities. Uh, We've talked to several other cities so far. They have not gotten anything anything as of like 10.30 Friday morning. (laughs) Um, But we're waiting for more signs of what's going on. Uh, Speaker Voss should have a statement sometime today about this. He signed the subpoenas or confirmed them, so now the question becomes: What's given want with this, and what's the next step going to be, and how is this hearing going to go down, and, October fifteenth in Brookfield?
1: Right, and she was told to bring these documents with. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what if there's something she can't find? That's kind of a tight deadline, you know. Are courts going to get involved if other, you know, like you said, Dane and maybe Racine or others just don't cooperate with it? Um, It just kind of remains to be seen. And we also got more pushback and more uh, from Governor Evers this week, who was criticizing the entire thing. And Assembly Speaker Voss, of course, defended the investigation Mm -hmm. and believes that there will be something that comes out of this when this is all over. We're not really sure on the deadline. He said sometime maybe late October, early November. So let's just hear a listen uh, from both sides on the issue and what they had to say when reacting to this investigation this week.
5: All I can say is if I was a clerk, I'd be lawyered up and and, uh, make sure that you're doing the right thing. Everybody knows it was a good election. Everybody knows that there was no fraud. Uh, So for for him to put that on the clerks who, frankly, have all sorts of better things to do with their time, I think is a bit outrageous. It's a $700,000 boondoggle to prove something that's already been proven probably 100 times.
3: I am supremely confident that at the end of the day, uh, Justice Gableman will produce a report that shows that there were issues with the 2020 election. The goal is not to do anything with overturning the election. It's to make sure that we have every opportunity to have confidence that the results that occurred in 2020 were accurate. All a subpoena does is to say that you have to produce the record so other people can look at it. So my hope would be that Justice Gableman, through his investigation and through his outreach, doesn't need to do that, that he could just take a look with willing participants who say, hey, it's publicly funded publicly um, run let's show the public what happened so i guess only time will tell
1: so like we mentioned before we're kind of waiting to see Mm -hmm. where this goes about the october 15th we just got green bay and there could be plenty of others that soon follow but of course going after that money that was involved in the 2020 presidential Mm -hmm. election Um, all right uh, let's also talk about unemployment Um, the big I guess headline this week is that uh, DWD signed a contract with a Madison IT-based company to overhaul, I guess start the process of overhauling the unemployment system. Of course, me and you and a lot of people remember thousands of people, millions of people, you know, uh, were out of work after the pandemic and the system basically failed. Um, it was a very old, outdated system. Um, there was a huge backlog. Now DWD claims the backlog is gone, but there's still a lot of people waiting in adjudication, waiting to get these hearings. Um, So DWD here was trying to take a victory lap, say, hey, look what we're doing, we're working on this, we're gonna make some corrections. But with anything with unemployment, Mm -hmm. we know it's a hot topic that's going to be going on in the 2022 races. Republicans were very quick to criticize um, just how long, in a sense, it took for Governor Evers to direct the federal funds to get this, uh, I guess, IT partnership to start revamping the system. So let's first hear from both sides on this issue um, about this uh, next step in the process.
0: With the pandemic, we saw a significant increase, you know, day over day back in March of 2020 with the sheer volume of claims that came in. And it was exacerbated in our state by the antiquated technology. All of the other pieces that we put in place, the plain language, the efficiencies in workflow, the document accessibility and upload, and the ability to increase communications through all of our various projects, all will help ensure that we don't have a backlog like every state experienced back in 2020. In terms of guarantees, I think we're putting all of the systems in place to ensure to the best of our ability that we are able to respond quickly to any changes we
4: see in the future.
5: Well, it's nice to see they've hired a company to start working on this. That's certainly a step in the right direction, but it's been so long. I mean, this whole UI thing is just an example of Governor Eber's failed leadership This was a problem last year. You know, he said at the beginning of this year it was a priority, but yet it still took nine months to get this done. Um, He's made a lot of excuses along the way without leading, you know, blaming it on the legislature, saying he needed money. Um, We said all along as a legislature, here's all the different ways you can pay for this. Um, We see today it's all federal money, so he obviously didn't need money. It was just, you know, he wasn't getting the job done. And it's disappointing in some ways, too, to look at this now and see that, You know, our biggest challenge right now for workforce-wise is just a lack of employees. And we've got a huge workforce shortage. And it would be nice if we had the Department of Workforce Development working on that issue instead of still trying to pay catch-up on the failures of the last year and a half.
1: So in a sense, uh, I don't think Republicans want to give uh, Governor Evers' administration any victories, Mm -hmm. regardless of what they do on unemployment.
5: No, and
2: this is going to be one of Evers' kind of three big challenges next fall. Uh, Biden in the White House, right? How is the party party in the White House doing in the midterms? Not very well. Recent history in Wisconsin. So how how are Biden's numbers doing? Uh, Kenosha and his response to the violent protests there last summer after Jacob Blake was shot by a police officer and unemployment. I mean, the ads write themselves, the thousands of people who waited months and months and months, their claims filled. There's still a backlog of, what, 13,000 appeals? Mm-hmm. Right now, somewhere around that neck of the woods. More than
1: 15,000 are just waiting for their uh, yep. appeal to get Thank approved you. or denied, and then 12,000 people stuck um, for their case to be reviewed by an adjudicator.
2: So there are issues there, and the people in the commercials are gonna be very sympathetic about what they went through and how they waited all this time for money during a pandemic. So it's gonna be a challenge for him. The better he can clean this up, the better it is for him politically, as well as, you know, if the system worked work properly. But Republicans are not gonna give him any credit for this. and. You know, the, the argument's been, well, you should have done this months ago. Remember, Evers asked for uh, money in a special session bill, about $5.3 million, to begin the process of revamping the system. Republicans said no. Um, he asked for $80 million, roughly, but matches what's being spent here right. in federal money. In the budget, they said no. There's also $50 bucks in the budget for just basic UI administration, which wasn't necessarily about the computer system, but still, uh, they pulled that out as well. So, and they've been arguing, you can do this on your own, you should be doing this already, you, should have, the, you have the federal money to do it. Now we're, it's getting done uh, just with a different pot of money.
1: And important to note there, too, when he was asking in a state-of-state state address calling a special session in February, states didn't get federal funding the next round, I should mm-hmm. say, until late March. Yes. So, technically, he didn't really have any money. Um, so, um, also... It was uh, right the next day after DWD made these announcements. A group of Republicans um, introduced a bill that would basically help those that were recently kicked off their unemployment benefits and team them up with job seekers, um, one-on-one interviews. Hey, you just lost your benefits. Let's find you a job. This goes on to the you know address workforce issues. So interesting bill here by Republicans that they kind of want to you know help. DWD connect people with jobs, but it, the bill also would require DWD to jump through yep. a lot of hoops and make a lot of changes in order to do that. Yes. Um, all right. So let's get to stock picks. Uh, first one rising so, is Craig Thompson.
2: So there was, uh, insiders have said for months if you put Craig on the floor of the Senate, he'd pass. The question is how many Republicans would vote against him. They were right. Uh, he had four no votes by Republicans. Um, we talked last week about Dawn Krim and how she made out a committee all of a sudden. The Senate basically decided it's time to do our job when it comes to confirmations. These are the governor's cabinet picks. Let's roll. There are people I've been told that were advocating for Craig saying, look, um, he's doing a good job. We get great feedback on our district. We should get him done. The big hang-up for Craig Thompson were a couple of things. One, he worked in the road-building industry before he was appointed DOT secretary. Some Republicans thought that was a conflict. Two, the road-building industry funded ads against Republican Senate candidates in 2018. There was. Some hurt feelings about that and felt like maybe there was a little bit of a, a rift with Craig over that. He assured people that that wasn't him, but that said, it was the industry he was in. So that caused an issue. But you saw Craig, Don Krim, Missy Hughes at Wheedick, and Normansky Dacap all fly through, all on big votes. So there's some signs of normal order in the Capitol. Again.
1: <laughs> right, right. Can't get some bipartisanship, right? Yeah. There's a little glimmer of hope. And uh, mixed this week is uh, addresses with constitutional officers because there's a new attempt uh, to basically have the governor uh, appoint these instead of them being elected by the people of Wisconsin. Yeah.
2: This constitutional amendment would have to pass back to back sessions, then go to voters for a referendum, would have them appointed and subject to confirmation by the Senate for four year terms. I don't know if it's going to get any legs. I don't know if there's enough support to pass the amendment number one. Number two, it's coming two and a half years after voters rejected, three and a half years of voters rejected, in the the eliminating the Treasurer's Office. So that's kind of an issue. But it goes back to this question, besides the DPI Superintendent, what do you do with a state, um, state Treasurer and Secretary of State? They've been stripped of their powers for over years and years and years. So what do you do with them? Do you start restoring powers? Do you just leave them hanging out there with nothing much to do? It is a, definitely a question now. The Institute for Reforming Government, which is a, a conservative group, they've advocated for abolishing the Elections Commission and putting elections back under the Secretary of State. I don't think that has a lot of legs right now, legislature. But it goes to show you, again, these offices don't have much to do. Right. And while you're paying these guys, what should you do with them?
1: <laughs> exactly. Um, and I guess falling this week is this bizarre case uh, of Ryan Owens, who is uh, running for, as a Republican for Attorney General, uh, centering around some podcasts okay. that he uh, previously years back, um, in a sense, criticized President Trump. And we've talked about this uh, a million times. I want to say that you really got to align with President mm-hmm. Trump if you want to make some gains in any Wisconsin race or national race for Republicans.
2: So Ryan was the director of the Tommy G. Tommy G. Thompson Center at UW-Madison. In doing that, he hosted all kinds of podcasts, people from Paul Ryan to Mark Buchan. Four of the podcasts were pulled down. UB MS at the request of Ryan Owens. Owens' campaign said he is not trying to hide anything, it was a, a file transfer issue, et cetera, et cetera. The four though, two of them were with Never Trumpers, Mike Murphy, who is a national GUP operative. Other one, Charlie Sykes, who is the lead never Trumper in Wisconsin, former talk show host. Uh third one, Ken Mayer, who is a professor at UB Madison, has been a critic of the president before. Now, Owens insists there was just There's nothing uh, untoward here, this is a mistake. If you listen to the fourth podcast taken down, you could believe him because it's with a guy talking about renewable energy, and like how conservatives approach renewable energy in this environment. So there's nothing really odd there. However, the other two, the Mike Murphy one, um, he doesn't say anything, Ryan doesn't say anything bad about about President Trump, but Mike Murphy makes a comment that Trump doesn't like to be surrounded by uh, competent people essentially, and Ryan laughed. In the Ken Mayer one, there's talk about impeachment, and Owens kind of criticized the president's approach to this, said that it was political suicide, quote-unquote, to mm-hmm. release a transcript of the call with the Ukraine president, raise the specter of a cover-up. Is not, not like saying that Trump was... Horrible, uh, or, yeah, I yeah, don't support him, out him or whatnot, kind of
1: little jabs here and there, and we know how things can blow up in the media, and just little jabs can go far away with voters.
2: The issue is Ryan Owens is running for AG without any prosecutor experience. Never been a prosecutor, mm-hmm. never been a DA, actually has very limited courtroom experience. He's running with my reputation as a conservative, that I am like this pure conservative, running for the cause to fight crime and all that kind of good stuff. Well, when your word is your, your campaign platform, whenever there are cracks in that foundation, it causes you a problem. Now, Eric Toney, the final Light county DA, who's the other Republican running uh, for the nomination, he has issues as well, right? I mean, he, prosec- he charged, but dropped charges, against 10 people violating the stay-at-home order that Governor Evers issued in the early stages of the pandemic. That's a no-no with the Republican base these days. So he's got an issue with the base. If Owens has an issue with the base when it comes to Trump, that's a problem for him. Don't forget, he already got some grief from talk radio because he had made comments, somewhat nice comments about Governor Evers and his early actions in the pandemic. This is a problem for Owens. Again, if you're running on your reputation and your word, anything that shows a crack in that foundation, you've got a problem. What I don't know is, does Tony have enough resources to make it hurt, right? Right. Because Owen's outraising like six or seven to one in the first reporting period of the year. Tony really did not have a great reporting period. Can he get this word out and make a difference in the campaign? Owen still has the backing of a number of big wigs in the Republican Party, which is good for him. I just don't know how it's going to play out in a primary, you know, 10 months from now, nine months from now. I was
1: just going to say, we got nine, 10 months <laughs> to go, so we'll see what happens. All right, that will do it for this week. I'm Emily Fannin.
2: And I'm J.R. Ross.
1: We'll see you next week.
0: Rewind, your week in review, is sponsored by the Wisconsin Realtors Association, bringing Wisconsin communities to life with great homes, businesses, and neighborhoods.
2: The Wisconsin Realtors Association, the voice of real estate.